بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا الیونتھ آف سپٹمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری اینڈ ان شاء اللہ ٹو اسپینڈ ون لاسٹ سیشن of the reports with regards to the blessed tahajjud prayer so firstly our beloved messenger he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam when one of you gets up at night to offer salah then let him make an audible recitation because the angels alay salatu wassalam and ummar ummar ay the hidden residence of the dwelling listen to his recital and then offer salat with his salah <laughs> subhanallah recorded in bazar and imam ghazali rahmatullahi in his ihya volume 1 page 571 in the chapter on the manners of recitation of the quran <laughs> so here our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was encouraging that you offer tahajjud with an audible recitation so you can hear your recital and then he explained why because the angels offer salat with you but then he said something very interesting and umaruddar the hidden residence of the dwelling they also listen and they offer salat with you so who are the hidden residence of the dwelling it can't be the angels because the prophet mentioned them separately sallallahu alaihi wasallam so this the scholars say is in reference to the muslim jinn So, when you offer tahajjit, if you audibly recite, you attract the angels who join you, alayhi salatu wa salam, and also the Muslim jinn. But the Prophet described them as umaruddar, the hidden residence of the dwelling. So, when people have problems in their dwelling, one of the easy ways in which to sort the problem is to offer tahajjit with an audible recitation. Think about that, right? You know, instead of phoning Mulana Sahib in the middle of the night, right? Just offer tahajjid with an audible recitation. This is confirmed in a long and famous report. It is mentioned that our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had once during the night come across Abu Bakr and Umar offering tahajjid, radiyallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what happened? Abu Qatada, radiyallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, When they, I, the two sheikhs, later met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked, Ya Abu Bakr, Mararatu bika wa anta tusalli takhfidu sawtak. O Abu Bakr, radiyallahu, I passed by you whilst you were praying in a low voice. Why was this? Abu Bakr replied, radiyallahu, قَدْ أَسْمَعْتُ مَنَّا جَيْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم The one who I was conversing to in private heard me, Ya Rasulullah. صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم then turned to Umar. مَرَرْتُ بِقَا وَأَنْتَ تُسَلِّ رَافِعًا صَوْتَكَ I passed by you whilst you were praying, raising your voice. Why was that Umar? Umar radiyallahu said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Uqizul wasnana wa atrudu shaitan. 
O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I intended to awake the one who was dozing and to drive away the shaitan. <laughs> Hassan, one of the narrators, rahmatullahi added, Rasulullah thereupon instructed sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Abu Bakr, arfa min sawtika shay'a. O Abu Bakr, raise your voice a little. Then he turned to Umar and said, radiyallahu akhfid min sawtika shay'a. Lower your voice a little, O Umar. Radiyallahu. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Abu Dawood, number 1329, Hassan, Timbadi, number 447, Ibn Khuzayman, number 1161, Sahih, Ibn Hiban, number 656, Sahih, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 1-310, stated Sahih to the criteria of Muslim, Zahabi, Sahih. So it's a very strong report. So where were the two sheikhs offering tahajjud? So it must have been in the masjid. Otherwise, how is the Prophet aware they are offering tahajjud? So this indicates that no problem, you can offer tahajjud in the masjid. But the Prophet wasallam, he passed by Abu Bakr and he couldn't hear what he was saying. So it was a very quiet recital that you get normally. When he went past Umar radiallahu, he was, you know, shaking the roof. When he asked Abu Bakr later, why were you praying in a low voice? Can you follow his explanation? He goes, the one who I was talking to in private heard me, Ya Rasulullah. In other words, Allah obviously doesn't need me to recite audibly. I'm talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet didn't say anything, meaning, all right. Then he says to Umar, why did you, you know, why were you raising your voice? He said to wake those who were dozing, meaning what they're doing, they should be doing tajjid. And to drive shaitan away. And the Prophet didn't say anything. But he then very beautifully said to both of them, Abu Bakr, raise your voice a little, meaning don't do it so quietly. Umar, you don't need to be so loud, lower it a little. So what does this Sahih Hadith indicate? That the Hajjit should be offered with an audible recitation. Mm. But audible doesn't mean put mic on, you know, wake all the street up, right? It just means that like, you're reading to yourself, like you read the Quran. When the person is reciting the Quran to himself, you know, there's an audible, he doesn't start raising the roof. So when you offer the Hajjit, this is a Sunnah. A person queries, but I'm praying by myself. Why am I raising, you know, what? And obviously that's Shaitan putting these doubts into his head. So you respond by saying, look, you're right, but don't you want the angels to join you? Don't you want the hidden residents to join you? Straight away you got his interest, hidden residents, who are they? It's the jinn. Don't you want Muslim jinn to pray? And he goes, do Muslim jinn pray behind the audible recital? Yes. So there's a wisdom, meaning it'll protect the household as well. Alhamdulillah. Another peculiarity of the blessed tahajjid, is that it helps in reforming oneself for the better. Mm. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, stick to offering the tahajjid prayer as it replaces and removes sin. Mm. It replaces and removes sin. This is in Ibn Asakir. So what does this mean? <laughs> removes sin means your sins are forgiven. That's straightforward. The Prophet didn't say, it just removes. He said, it replaces it. So, a sin has been eradicated. What has been put in its place? The scholars say, it is a islah prayer. 
it helps you to collect your you know your your life you got feelings so allah ta'ala helps you when you offer tahajjud he takes away your sins which is enough of a bounty but allah ta'ala adds something he starts taking away things and adding something for you so for instance you might have a problem with your tongue a particular sin maybe backbite tahajjud will not only eradicate it allah ta'ala will give you something else but positive with the tongue so suddenly you might be able to recite more of the Quran. What's caused that? Tajid. Another failing you might have, you might be a miser. You just can't give money. You offer tahajjid, Allah Ta'ala suddenly puts into your heart to be generous. What's suddenly made that change? Tahajjid. Another person is, got, so think about that. You know, look at these blessings of tahajjid. People are very limited in their understanding. Oh, it's a blessed prayer. But you haven't given me no details. Every prayer is blessed. <laughs> Can you give me some meat? And if you say, brother, wouldn't you like your failings to disappear and be replaced with something good? He goes, hey, what does that? Tahajjid. <laughs> right? So if you pray it, stick to offering tahajjid. It replaces and removes sins. Replaces. Thus in conclusion to this, our beloved Messiah once asked his companion, Abu Dhar, when you decide to undertake a journey, do you then prepare yourself for it, O Abu Dhar? So Abu Dhar said, Yes, of course, Ya Rasulullah. Whoever goes on a journey, he prepares. Upon which Rasulullah mentioned various deeds. But then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Offer two rakats in the darkness of the night for the terror of the grave. Offer two rakats in the darkness of the night for the terror of the grave. This is in Ibn Abi Dunya, Imam Ghazali Rahmatullah in his Ihya, volume 1, page 714-5, in the chapter on litanies arranged during the day and night. So let's look at this. So look how beautifully the Prophet got the attention of the listeners. What did he say to Abu Dhar? When you go on a journey, don't you prepare? Which person doesn't prepare for a journey? If he doesn't prepare, imagine if he gets his passport. Do people praise him? Teacher didn't even bring, you know, they start giving him a lecture. They didn't even show your passport out. And rightly so. You need to prepare for the journey. Or he doesn't bring his suitcase. And he's getting, where are you going to put it? I haven't got a suitcase. You prepare for the journey. Didn't get a ticket. Imagine. <laughs> How did you expect you're going to fly? So everybody thinks, look, this guy's a crackpot. The Prophet ﷺ got that out of Abu Dhabi. Because of course I prepare for the journey, Ya Rasulullah. But then he mentioned how you prepare for the next life, <laughs> mentioning deeds. But suddenly, what did he say? Mm. Offer two rakats in the darkness of the night for the terror of the grave. Mm. Look how beautiful. When you're offering tahajjid, you're literally know the whole world, the whole world is blind to you. Nobody knows what you're doing. Mm. You're in the darkness of the night. And what are you doing? You're offering tahajjid. So what would be a suitable reward for that? A suitable reward be that you're in the darkness of the grave and you need help. The Prophet said, the two rakats in the darkness of the night protects you from the terror of the grave. Think about that, right? So tahajjid has a profound impact upon the grave. Now think about this. Is our stay in the grave inevitable? You know, sometimes you have to say the obvious. 
people even think about it. What are you thinking about? Right? And he goes, of course it's inevitable. He goes, right. Does anybody miss their grave? Again, the guy starts thinking, what are you thinking about? He goes, you know, right. So it's yakin. It's absolute. You're going to go to the grave. There's no like, you know, diversion to get around it. No. So I need to prepare for it. I can't escape it. Otherwise, I could have said, look, I might be one of those lucky ones. <laughs> right? Well, you prepare for it. Think about it. Look what the grave itself says. I am a place of loneliness. I am a place of darkness. I am a pl place of infestation. Be merciful to yourself before you enter me. Mm. The grave is telling you that. Mm. Your grave, imagine, you're not remembering your grave. Your grave is remembering you. And it's telling you out of kindness. Look, I'm telling you, I'm not a pleasant place. So, in dunya terms, you can use examples, no harm. People get claustrophobic. You put them into a compound, you know, a space that's, you know, and they start hyperventilating. Why are you hyperventilating? He goes, oof, I just can't breathe. I need, I need, I need air. So, you're, so basically, you're having a panic attack because you're in a small, constrained place. Yeah. What's going to happen in grave? Imagine, you're in grave, lids put on, clods of earth being shoved under. Somebody goes to you, that's petrifying. Airtight, light tight, sound tight, you know, you name it. You're left there literally to your own devices. Somebody goes, look, you're putting the fear of God into it. All right, mashallah. What is a lifeline? Offer two rakats in the darkness of the night. Look what the Prophet said. For the terror of the grave. Look what he's calling it. Terror. If the Prophet calls something terror, that means it truly is terrifying. And where's the famous hadith that proves that? The hadith is in Tirmidhi Hassan. The Prophet said, I have never seen a more petrifying place than the grave. It is either a garden of paradise or a pit of hell. Now think about that. He saw hell. And yet he said, I've never seen a more petrifying place than the grave. Why? Because it's part of hell. But there's something about it that's truly frightening. Tahajjid helps you in the grave. You're away from the people. So when you're offering tahajjid, you should think, this is my insurance. I'm building my grave. Alhamdulillah. So note again, tahajjid. You know, people think, what's the virtues of tahajjid? Brother, it's, it's just too many virtues. People say it takes your sins out. MashaAllah, bro, that's just the... That's just the the, you know, the icing on the cake. It's got so many other blessings. And one obvious blessing you can mention, it was fathered for the Prophet. So if you're Ashik, I'm an Ashik, I, beloved, I love the Prophet, I love him more than myself. Do you play Tajid? No. Puni Ashik. The Prophet was playing every night, you're, you're missing it. So not again, Tajid. So this is a very special prayer. And what's interesting, Tahajjud. If you look at the word, the, the etymology is derived from the word Jihad. Tahajjud Juhud Jihad So what does that tell you? It's not an easy prayer <laughs> It takes effort It's Jihad And what's interesting Somebody approached Abdullah ibn Mas'ud And he goes I can't pray Tahajjud So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said He goes Rather Your sins Have changed you From offering Tahajjud Rather your sins Have changed you from offering that. Why? Because think about it. When you say, I can't offer that, you're a liar. Because you can offer that with the norm. Come out with stupid statements. You should have rather said, why do I find it difficult? 
Nobody's seen a person going to ahead. Look, you can't pray tajid. Well, when does that happen? So why aren't you praying tajid? The response is because sins, Ibn Masood said, it prevents you. And also, what did the Prophet say about tajid? Another blessing. It takes away illnesses. Shafa. Hadith is in Tirmidhi. Think about that. If he's on Amil, 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 pray tajid. Right? And he goes, what's tajid going to do, brother? And he goes, there you go, brother. You don't even know what you... Know, what you you know, look at the blessings. If you get a list of the blessings of Taj, you're thinking, I must be a fruit king on top of this prayer. And it doesn't say pray all night. It's Shaitan puts it that into Oh, are you going to pray? Why does it say pray all night? Two regards, the Prophet said. He didn't say 25 regards, did it? Two regards. Right? And also, it's a very special time that Allah Ta'ala answers doors. The famous hadith. Last third of the night, Allah Ta'ala is asking. But, does he mention in that hadith anything about Taajit? No. That's very interesting. When you hear that hadith, you think of tahajjud. And somebody could pose the question, is tahajjud mentioned in the hadith? No. Why did you think of tahajjud? Because that's the last third of the night people are praying. And Allah Ta'ala wants to give his gifts at that time. So if you want something from Allah, pray, ask at that time. You know, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We beg our loving Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to just help us to do all that is good and pleasing in his sight. Amen. Mention one other virtue before moving on. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, if you pray a prayer at home, you get one reward. You pray in the masjid, you get 25 rewards, 27. Then he went, oh, you pray in, in my masjid, he mentioned a uh, thousand or more. You pray in the haram, 100,000. So up to that, we famous, we know this. The hadith continues. 100,000 if you pray around the Kaaba. If you pray on the battlefield, one million. It multiplies to a million. If you pray guarding the border, two million. Then this is the atom bomb. The Prophet then said, and where is this hadith? Ibn Hiban Sahih. And what's more than all this? Is two rakats in the middle of the night. And what's more than all this? Is two rakats. In the middle of the night. <laughs> now, how does that work? So, are you telling me I've offered two rakats to Hajjit and I'm getting more than two million? I'm not telling you that, brother. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how it works. Take your brother Rasulullah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> two million? When am I going to offer two, two million rakats? Nothing. Not going to happen, is it? But guess what? There's a shortcut to the Hajjit. Subhanallah, imagine what Allah wants to give, he's giving you the treasures at that time, if anybody wants it, right? Imagine the time of the Prophet you know, it's very strange to think, but let's reflect upon it. Do you believe there was any household that wasn't offering Dajjit? Look how strange that is to us, imagine a society where everybody's offering Dajjit. Now it's the complete opposite. Do you offer Tajjit, brother? Not just special nights. <laughs> no, the special night, everybody comes in on Oliya then. He goes, you know, no, I try to get it in, my share, the middle of the night. So the hadith, again, in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala, he goes, he laughs at two people, or he, he's amazed at two people. One is a person on the battlefield. Everybody is fleeing, he's going forward. Allah Ta'ala says to the, the angels, look at my servant. You know, he's boasting to, about that servant. Then the Prophet وسلم, said, and there's a second person, Allah Ta'ala laughs at and is amazed at. He goes, he gets up for tahajjit. He offers tahajjit, he fights his sleep. Allah Ta'ala goes, look at my servant. 
This is an Imam Ahmad's Muslim authentic. So now think about it. What has tahajjad been clearly likened to? Jihad. Not just jihad. Jihad when everybody's fleeing. Imagine somebody goes to you, you could see an aerial view. Everybody's doing, legging it from the kuffar. And one's going forward. You're thinking, oof. What's his reward, brother? You think, oof. Yeah, he deserves for the doors. Then you go somewhere else and somebody's offering tajjad. What's his reward? Mashallah, <laughs> May Allah, may Allah give him some <laughs> And he goes, but there you go, brother. They're both same in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One is physical, you can understand what he's going through. The second is a spiritual, you know, exercise. So not the hajjat, it's a nafal prayer, but we should try to get it in as often as we can. And like I mentioned a few nights back, you should always offer a two rakat nafal after the witr. That is the hajjat. So even if you can't get up, straight after your witr, two rakats nafal is the hajjat. In the first rakat, recite Ida Zulzilatil Abdu. In the second rakat, Surat Kafirun. This is a sunnah which is recorded in Tabarani, authentic hadith. So there's no excuse, even though if you don't get up, that's a bottom. So making a start on the next section. A glimpse into the glorious deed of Sadaqah. So we're going through all the key deeds, important deeds in our lives. So first, consider the word Sadaqah, the word itself. Sheikh Ismail Haqqi, in his Tafsir, Ruhul Bayan, volume 1, page 4 to 6, he elucidated. Sad, the letter S in Sadaqah, implies Asad, to prevent. Those sadaqah prevents every hated thing of both this world and the hereafter from approaching the giver. Dad, the letter D in sadaqah, implies ad-dalil, I to guide. Those sadaqah guides the giver towards paradise. Qaf, the letter Q in sadaqah, implies al-qurb, to attain proximity. Though sadaqah brings its giver into the proximity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ha, the letter H in sadaqah, implies al-hidayah, guidance. Thus the giver seeks guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one look how amazing even the word. Somebody goes, sadaqah, should you change it to charity? <laughs> And you say, well, you can't change it to the word charity, but you've lost every meaning of the word. Because, no, what do you mean sadaqah is charity? Because, yeah, I'm just telling you, if you use the word charity, you've lost the meaning. And he goes, I don't understand, sadaqah is charity. He goes, I told you, look, you keep asking, you saying, don't translate it to charity. Why? Use the word sadaqah. Why? Because if you look at the word, every letter is giving you a clue to how priceless sadaqah is. <laughs> so what's the first letter of sadaqah? Sad. So what did Sheikh Ismail Haqqi say? This implies Asad. Sad, Asad. Asad means to prevent. So the Sheikh goes, sadaqah prevents what? It prevents every bad thing of both the world and the hereafter approaching you. <laughs> Is there anywhere on earth you could wear the art? The first letter is preventing something, is preventing harm from reaching you in this world and the next. Dad, Sadaqah, 
this is, is one of the letters, Dad, the word D in English, implies Ad-Dalil, to guide. Ad-Dalil, Sadaka guides the giver to what? Paradise. Qaf, Sadaka, Q. Qaf implies Al-Qurb. What does Qurb mean in Arabic? It means to get very close and intimate. Qurb. Those Sadaka brings you very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ha, sadaqa, the last letter, ha, h, implies al-hidayah, al-hidayah, guidance. Those the giver seeks guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's put it simply. Those just from the etymology of the word sadaqa, we learn it prevents one from calamities in the world and the next. It guides one to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and paradise and ultimately brings one's close to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. Now think about it. I'm not quoting the Quran. I'm not quoting the Hadith. I'm just talking about the word. That's why Allah Ta'ala chose Arabic as a vehicle for his language. Because Arabic contains these precious meanings. Charity. What does that mean, brother? She is for cool. What is making him nigh, brother? Charity, brother, charity. Why do you stick to sadaqa? And you can't speak Arabic. And you go, but there you go in it. You've lost out on everything. Sadaqa. And also, just to add this, sadaqa is also from the word sidq. Sidq means the truthful. So what is the link with sadaqa? Sadaqa is showing that you are truly a Muslim. You're proving it. Look, I'm showing my iman. I have complete trust. I'm going to give something and I have got complete trust. I'm going to get it back. You understand? What is that? Sidq. When you hesitate, you're doubting. You know, the Prophet swore a qasm. The Prophet said, I swear the qasm, sadaqah does not diminish your wealth. So what do we think? Do we believe that? If I was to say to all of you, now put five pounds in double, what's the first thing goes to your mind? Five pounds? <laughs> well, you've been hesitating. Because the bottom line is, is it for the, I'm asking about the ruling, brother. Why aren't you giving it? Because you actually think you've lost out. Okay, I'll get a reward one day, inshallah. No, no, no. You're not losing out in the world. You don't believe the Prophet. It's always that your problem. And there you go. That's why the Sahaba just gave. You know, when we hear the reports, 100 camels, 1,000 gold coins, we, we're blown away. But why are we really blown away? Because our iman is pathetic. You're seeing a person who's demonstrating their iman. Right? But when we give, it's like, zakat is basinas coming out. You think, is this zakat, brother? Right? And he goes, no, I'm going to work here to last penny. Right? And I'll give it in Ramadan. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. So all I mentioned today, oh, just to add very important, in Surah Sajda, Allah Ta'ala mentions these two deeds together. That's your homework. Go to Surah Sajda. Find the verse. Allah Ta'ala mentions those who get up during the night and those who give. Look how interesting. Why is tahajjud and sadaqah brought together in one verse? There's a link between them. They both take effort. And the Prophet said in Tirmidhi, Hassan Sahih, sadaqah takes out your sins more quickly than water takes out fire. More. What can be more quicker than water taking out fire? And the same he said about tahajjud. Because it does the same. So both of these deeds pulverize your sins. And they should be regular in a believer's life. And like one brother said, if you're not going to give, who's going to give on your behalf? 
think about it. You know, who should be the most generous to you? You. You should be the most generous. I'm not, like, not going to wear for hundreds. Even your children, imagine, you're going to trust them. Right? Imagine this, because they're going to be sorting you out. Well, I don't know about that, I'm going to sort myself out. I'm not wearing for hundreds. Right? You know, people just wear for hundreds. Oh, brother, let's do khatam now. Let's, oh, hundred time, innit? Why didn't he do khatam himself? Right? And then after a year, what happens? Just dust on his grave. Nobody's remembering it. Astaghfirullah. Are there any uh, questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi is one of the lahum of bihamdi ka ashwa la ilaha illa anta astaghfirullah ka adhubalaika wa dhibillahi wa shalanjim subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati wa maizifun assalamu alayhi wa mursaleem walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi wa rahim walasr insanu lafi khasr alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa wasibu alhaq wa wasibu sabr sallallahu alayhi wa sallam